We talk a lot here recently at TCC about our mission statement, which is to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus, and to share Jesus. And this, this year I've really looked at that mission statement and thought as much as it is one for our church, it's one that I've been trying to embrace personally. So asking the question, how might I walk with Jesus more? How might I know Jesus more? And how might I share Jesus more? And really, it's just a restatement of the Great Commission that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. So it's a, it's a good mission to have. When we think about mission statements, you know, it's great to have them. I often think in my head about, um, you know, how, what is it going to look like for me to live this out? How is it going to look for me to know Jesus, walk with Jesus, and to share Jesus? And it's easy for me to think that it's going to be this incredibly easy thing. I get this picture in my head of, of um, all the great things that that will entail. But then I start trying to live it out and I find it might be a little bit more difficult than I thought. Uh, this past week here at TCC, the, we had a men's barbecue. And the men had this amazing opportunity to build picnic tables. And uh, you can see in this picture here that there's not one picnic table, but two. So we had a bit of a race uh, to see who could build the picnic table faster. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. We had our mission, construct the picnic tables. Uh, we also had all the lumber that you see in these pictures was pre-cut. We ordered it from Costco. So it's like Lego, right? You unpack the box, you have all the pieces. You're like, okay. So we had our pre-cut pieces. We had an actually a really well put together instruction manual, which ladies, we did use. Um, so yeah, we used the instruction manual. We also had one another, and um, we also had a lot of fun. And so we started working on this. And again, in my head, us building these picnic tables with the pre-cut pieces, the instructions, with a great team of men, you know, it's, this should be really quick. This should be really easy. There shouldn't be any problems. But one of our teams, I won't say which one, it was maybe my team, and it was probably my fault, but we made a mistake while we're building. You put something together, and like, oh, shoot, got to pull it apart. And the way that I thought it would go quickly, and, and the hope and expectation I had that my team would beat the other team, it was disappointed. The way that I thought it would go, it didn't go that way. Even with all these things in place, we still made mistakes, and we still needed correction. In our lives, I believe that we, will have, we have an idea of how we think our lives should be. We, we desire the best life. We desire to live a life that doesn't have missteps, that doesn't require course corrections. But how often we need those instructions. How often we need things to help us from making mistakes and messing it up. And when we do get off course, how often we need things to bring us back onto the track we desire to be on. We're in a mini-series on the Psalms, exploring different questions that come from the Psalms. And our question this morning is taken from Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can we keep our way pure? How can we keep our way straight? How can we get it right? How can we live life the way that we feel like we should be living life? How do we live a life where... We are continually knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, and sharing Jesus. Well, Psalm 119 offers us an answer to this question straight away. And it says that 
A young man keeps his path pure by guarding it according to God's word. But friends, it's more than just reading the Bible. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. This psalm gives us the resources. It gives us with the tools that will help us to navigate life. It teaches us that the word of God guides us, speaks to us, and fills us with joy. This morning I have brought what I think are three of the tools that Psalm 119 helps us uh, with to navigate life. So we're going to unpack these boxes this morning uh, as we go along. And hopefully it will keep your attention as you wonder what's in the box. We'll find out. We'll find out. But first I want to give us a quick introduction to Psalm 119. If you're familiar with the psalm, you may be worried that we're going to be here for a while this morning. I've talked to the brunch team and we've delayed brunch about two hours because Psalm 119 has 179 verses. And so I'm going to start in verse 1 and work my way through. I'm totally kidding. We aren't going to do that. But it's the longest of the Psalms. And, it's, and the reason it's long is because of the way that it is written. Psalm 119 is an acrostic poem. Each of the 22 Hebrew letters acts as a heading within, the, within this psalm. And under each heading, we have eight different verses. And the start of each one of those verses matches up with the Hebrew letter that's represented. So you could even look at this and say that we have eight acrostic poems built into Psalm 119 that spans from the A to the Z of the Hebrew alphabet. In this way, Psalm 119 is a masterpiece. It's a beautiful, beautiful composition, much of which is lost in translation to us, because we have it here, obviously, in English. The entire focus of Psalm 119 is on the Torah. If you've never heard that term, Torah, what that's referring to is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the psalmist uses eight different words to communicate this, that he's talking about the Torah. He says law, he says word, laws, statutes, commands, decrees, precepts, promise, over and over again. He's making reference back to these five books. Now, it's important to note that when the psalmist wrote this, he didn't have the same Bibles that we have. They didn't have the 66 books which make up what we call the Bible. But even though the the context is directly talking about the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, I believe that we rightly apply the principles of Psalm 119 to the entire Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation. And ultimately, we apply the principles spelled out to us in Genesis, uh, in, in Psalm 119, we apply those principles to the person of Jesus. We apply those principles to the person of Jesus, And we're going to talk about why that is shortly here. Uh, there's more information about the, the coming together of the Bible and why we can call this the Word of God. There's, there's a resource on our website uh, called the How to Read the Bible podcast. If that's something you're at all interested in, you can head to our website and check that out. It talks about why we can say this is the Word of God. It talks about how these books came together and all those sorts of things, if you find that interesting, as I do. So what is the message of this psalm as it relates to what we have as God's word? Uh, There's a lot of things in Psalm 119, but again, I want to explore three realities as it relates to the question of how can we keep our path straight? 
The first is that we keep our path straight by aligning our lives to the word. We keep our path straight by aligning our lives to God's word. And an image we have for this is, is a plumb line. And some of you have seen me um, demonstrate this before in church, uh, but this, this is a plumb line. And the way that a plumb line works is it's something you might use in construction to make sure that you have straight lines. Whoops. Is that why none of you sit in the front row? Right? That's, that's what it is. <laughs> so a plumb line, the idea is you, you put it on a string, and there's a lot of weight to this, and eventually it'll stop spinning, and you can hook it up to something, and you let it hang, and once it stops moving, I can look at this string, and I can rightly say that the string is perfectly straight up and down. The string is perfectly straight up and down because of gravity and the weight that's pulling down on, on the string. Now the benefit of this is that I could hold up a plumb line, I could take it up to a picture and say, is the picture crooked? Is the picture, uh, is, is it off? You know, I could stand next to it and say, am I leaning? Yep, I'm leaning and, and try to line myself up to the plumb line. But it acts as a guide. It acts as, as something that we can look at and say, do we have it right? And if, if something's not level, it, it won't line up with the plumb line. And so we can say, this isn't level. We want to bring it into alignment with the string so that we know that it's level. And God's word is like that. You know, many people wonder, what is God's will for my life? Well, a simple place to start is by just looking at God's word and asking the question, is my life aligned with God's word? And if the answer to that question is no, well, that's a good place to start in, in living in God's will. Because God has given us in His Word a plumb line, a standard, something for us to live our lives by. So when we read in Scripture that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we can ask ourselves, am I doing that? If the answer to that is no, we can bring our lives into alignment with God's Word. In this, we see God's Word acting as a guard for our lives. It, it gives us an understanding. When we're facing difficult questions, when we're wondering what we're to do in a difficult situation, we can look to God's Word and it will give us direction. And in all of this, we see God's Word as a vehicle of grace. It's all about grace. God's word has come, and come to us from the heart of a loving father who desires our best. It, it's coming from a creator who made us. We talked a bit about that last week, that, that God has created us. And because he's created us, he knows what's best for us. Because he's created us, he knows what the best life for each one of us will look like. And he's graced us with his word. As a place to start in living that way. And in that we see that what God has said in his word. that They're an expression of grace. Not an imposition of oppressive burdens. It's so easy to look at God's word and just see it as a burden. See it as God wagging his finger at humanity. But that's not what it's about. It's about God saying, I designed you. I know what's best for you. 
You know, I've heard the illustration often of, of a cow. And, and cows are really great at finding holes in fences. And if, if a cow gets out of the fence, suddenly he's in a position and in circumstances where uh, he has no skills for protecting himself or avoiding calamity. If the cow gets out of the fence, the cow is going to be in trouble. God's word acts a bit like this in it being a plumb line. That by living our lives according to God's word, we live within God's created structure for us. But when we step outside of that, we step outside of our created purpose, and we escape to where we really were never meant to go, where we have no skills for protecting ourselves or avoiding calamity. So God's word is a plumb line. The A to Z nature of this psalm, the acrostic part of this psalm, is communicating to us the ABCs of obedience. That we are to live obediently to God's word. Verse 1 talks about the blessing that comes to those who walk with the Lord. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who do no wrong. Verse 9 writes, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. By bringing it in alignment to your word. Verse 44. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. And I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. Verse 59. When I think on my ways I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay. Verse 105. This is a very familiar passage. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 137, righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. So how do we keep our path straight? First, we align our lives to God's word. We remember that it is a plumb line, a guide for our lives. Secondly, I think this psalm reveals to us that we keep our path straight by allowing the Bible to spark conversation. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that. So in the second box, how do we keep our path straight? I got two coffee cups here. And to me, these coffee cups represent conversation. My wife and I absolutely love going for coffee. Um, and if we're honest, it's not really so much about the coffee. Although when we're really tired, maybe it is. Um, but we love going for coffee because we love talking to one another. We love going for coffee because we love spending time with one another. We love going for coffee because we know that when we go for coffee, we're going to sit down face to face and have a conversation. And that means a lot to both of us. See, the problem that we've read into in the church is that we've looked at the Bible and we've said it's all about obedience. You've got to live your life in alignment to God's word. Now this is true. It's very important. But what we miss is that the Bible isn't meant to just be a rule book that we live our lives by. It's the basis of a conversation that we have with God. And much like my wife and I go for coffee and enjoy sitting in one another's presence, the Bible is a basis and a pathway for us to do the same thing with our Heavenly Father. The Bible is the basis and a pathway for us to do the same thing with Jesus. Where we sit down and we converse with Him through His Word. 
The word of God is not simply about behavior. The people who wrote this psalm, they aren't simple-minded or reductionist. They do not imagine that life can be reduced to a one-dimensional commandment-based living. Rather, they saw that obedience to God's word was a starting point, a launching pad from which to begin this ongoing conversation with God through their daily experience. It's not all about rule-keeping. When we come to God's word, we come to a person. And maybe that's hard to understand. Um, John chapter 1, verse 1, John writes, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John is talking about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, the writer says, um, Long ago God spoke to the fathers through the prophets in many portions and in many ways. So God used to speak to the prophets. But he says, In these last days he has spoken to us through a son. That God's word has now come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we look at the Bible... And we say it's God's word. We are as much saying that the Bible is, are the words of Jesus coming to us. And publishers have done this thing where they've added all these red letters. And, you know, if you have a red bi- letter Bible, that's fine. But the problem with that is that it makes us think that the red letters are Jesus' words and the rest of it are God's words. But that's terrible Trinitarian theology. It's the whole thing, guys. In the beginning was the word. Jesus' words come to life to us by His Holy Spirit, when we sit down and read our Bibles, we have the opportunity to enter into a conversation with the Son of God who is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. These are not dead letters on a page, but we come to a person. Psalm 119 presents the author of the Torah as our teacher. God is our teacher. The Father is our teacher. The Son, Jesus, is our teacher. The Spirit is our teacher. Verse 7 of Psalm 119 says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Praise be to you, O Yahweh. Teach me your statutes. Verse 26, when I was told of your ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your decrees. Verse 124, deal with your servant according to your love and teach me your decrees. Do you see the relationship that's happening here? We have a student and we have a teacher and they're interacting with one another. The student comes to the word of God and reads and says, I don't really understand this, will you teach it to me? And now we have a dialogue Friends, I grew up in the church, my dad's a pastor, and, and for years I thought it was wrong to ask God questions. That it was inappropriate to doubt God. It was inappropriate to look at God and wonder if all this was true, to wonder what does God have to do with my life. And as an adult, when I start finding that my experiences in life don't line up with the things that I was taught about God, when my experiences aren't lining up with my theology, what happens? Man, a lot of questions. And because the church is, hasn't been a place where we've welcomed people to explore their questions, what usually happens to young people? They leave. And we somehow think that God isn't bigger than our questions. Friends, God is bigger than our questions. 
God invites us to come to Him with our questions. He invites us to come to Him with our doubting. He invites us to come to Him in our weakness, in our frustration, in our bitterness, in our anger, in our doubt. He's saying, come to me. You have questions? That's okay. You're angry at me? That's okay. Come to me. Let's have a cup of coffee. Instead of coming to the person of Jesus, we usually take the Bible and we huck it across the room. Jesus is waiting. He wants us to bring our questions to Him. He wants us to have a conversation. So not only is this psalm an A to Z of obedience, but it's also covering, um, it's covering of the complete Hebrew alphabet also communicates to us how God's Word can cover the completeness of our lives. God's Word is not sufficient only to speak to matters of religion and morality. But God's Word is sufficient to speak to us about every facet of our lives. If you work in the business sector, if you work in the trades, God's Word has something to say to you about how you conduct your work in your workplace. It's not separate. In our parenting, it's not separate. It has something to say to us about that. In the way that we love those around us, it has something to say to us about that. So we come to it in the midst of wandering through life, not only do we come to it and try to bring our lives into alignment with it, but we come to it with our questions. God, what's all this about? And friends, if what Jesus, Jesus claimed to be the truth, and if he claimed that, we should be able to bring every scrutiny, every criticism to him. And if he's true, he will prove himself to be true. So bring your questions. So we keep our path straight by receiving, sorry, we keep our path straight by aligning our lives to God's word. We keep our path straight by letting that be relational, by having a conversation with God. And lastly, we keep our path straight by receiving joy from God's word. We keep our path straight by receiving joy from God's word. I wasn't sure what to use for joy. I'm so, some of you are scared of balloons. I am so sorry. But When we consider the outcome of a life aligned with God's word, as well as a life in continual conversation with the person of Jesus... What's the result? When you bring these two things together, what's the result? Man, Psalm 119 is very, very clear on this. Delight. Joy. Friends, is, is delight and joy not something you want more of in your lives? Is joy not something you want more of in your lives? There's 10 references to the word delight in Psalm 119. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight. Verse 23 to 24, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 69 to 70, the insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. 
Verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 143, trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments, they're my delight. Do you notice these contrasts? Man, the princes are plotting against me. Things are not going my way. But God, you are my delight. The situations in my life, they aren't going the way that I thought they would. But Jesus, you are my delight. My friends are backstabbing me and and speaking lies about me. Lord, I feel lonely and hurt and broken, but you are my delight. Why is that? Well, first, because it's the plumb line. It's a sure thing. It's a foundation. We talked about this last week. God is the great I am. No matter what is going on in our lives, who he said he is remains to be true. It's constant. And in relation to that, we're in relationship with him, interacting with him. So that when we go through these situations in life, we're not alone. We can have joy in the midst of all these circumstances. As you can see, the psalmist does not find the commandments of God restrictive. The psalmist does not find the commandments of God to be burdensome. Friends, the Bible is not a dead letter, but an active word, agent, which gives life. It's a great Walter Brueggemann quote. The psalmist does not find the commands of God restrictive or burdensome. The Bible is not just a dead letter, but an active agent which gives life. Friends, we live in a world right now where they're promising life on so many scales, so many different places. If you only work harder, do more, know the right people, climb the right ladders, knock on the right doors, take advantage of the right people, then you will know life. And it doesn't seem to be working out for our culture. We're the most in-debt society in the history of humanity. Uh, We're the most over-medicated society in the history of humanity. It's not working out. I praise God that we have a different narrative in His Word. That we can find light, life in His Word. Now in the New Testament, we see Jesus revealed as the Word. So, our delight needs to be found in the person of Jesus. Man, the fact that the fans are blowing these balloons is just that much better. They're like, woo, we're we're so full of joy. I love it. Delight, again, does not come from a commitment to a book for us today. And I don't believe that the delight for the psalmist came from sitting down and and listening to the Torah being read. That wasn't his delight. The delight came from this relationship with a person. So when we come to God's word, we come to Jesus. When we seek to align ourselves with his word, we are seeking to align ourselves to Jesus. When we seek to have a conversation with the word of God, we are having a conversation with Jesus. In all of this, we have the culmination of a relationship that leads to joy. When we get into the New Testament, uh, specifically in the Gospel of John, we have Jesus giving these invitations 
to people. And it, I, I'm looking specifically here at the, the seven I am statements. Jesus is saying to people, come have a delight in me. First, in John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Some of us feel hungry in our lives. Some of us feel that, you know, something's missing. Jesus is calling. He says he's the bread of life. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And some of us feel trapped in sin. Like there's the darkness covering us. We don't know what to do. Jesus' invitation, come to him. Experience the light that is in his presence. John chapter 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Jesus' invitation to a life lived in the company of the good shepherd who leads us by still waters and makes us lie down in green pastures. John chapter 10 again, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You know, some of us maybe feel lonely, unloved. Maybe we've been burned by lots of different people and have trouble trusting. But friends, Jesus' invitation, he lays down his life for you. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to be with you. John chapter 11, verse 17, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. The dead places in us, Jesus wants to see those come to life. John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of us long for greater fruitfulness in our lives. For our lives to mean something. Well, Jesus here is saying, come to me. I'll give you purpose. You want your life to mean something? Let's do it together. Friends, this is life to the full. Coming to Jesus, finding our delight in Him. Coming to Jesus and finding that the delight we have in Him is greater than any material rich or material thing we could have. Coming to Jesus and finding that our delight in Him is greater than ever climbing any corporate ladder or coming to the peak in our careers. Our delight in Jesus is greater than that. And He's calling us to come and delight in Him. These invitations from Jesus are not restrictive or burdensome. Rather, they are life to the full, life abundant, life lived on course. But friends, it begins by hearing His words. It begins by hearing His voice. Friends, do you know what this book says? Do you know what the Bible says? Do you live by it? Do you seek to understand it or do you simply criticize the parts you don't like and push it to the side? 
Do you spend time in these words? Do you spend time with the person of Jesus? Do you spend time in these words to such an extent that as you go through life and you're facing challenges at home or at work or or wherever you find yourself, that the words that you're reading come to mind and you're reminded of, oh yeah, Jesus said this, God's with me in this. If you struggle to read the Bible, I, I hope you feel a freedom to, to ask for help. Reach out to me or one of the staff here at TCC. We'd love to talk to you about this stuff. We'd love to encourage you in this. As I mentioned earlier, there's the, the podcast online called How to Read the Bible. And friends, I, I struggle in that. I, I don't want to leave this morning with you thinking, I just need to read the Bible more. Because that is a message that comes from the pulpit too often that is lacking in substance. Because yes, it's true. We need to read our Bibles. It's true. But we cannot miss the relationship. We cannot miss the person of Jesus on every page of this Bible. Because to just mechanically read the Bible, sure, that's going to profit you to a degree. But man, life to the full, it's not just about reading the Bible in the morning and going about your life, but it's immersing yourself in these words and doing life with the person of Jesus. So we keep our path straight by pursuing the person of Jesus as revealed in the Bible. We align ourselves with these words. We see them as a basis for conversation. And we find great, great delight in them. Let's pray together. I invite the worship team to join me on the platform. Father God, we thank you for Psalm 119. Lord, a psalm that seems repetitive and redundant at times. But Father, it is a a psalm that is so rich and so full of a message that should inspire us and compel us forward as we navigate this life. Lord, thank you for the invitation in your word to come to you. The invitation to live our lives according to what you've said. The invitation to come to you with our questions. And Lord, the invitation that you've given us to find full life, to find joy, to find delight in you. And Father, I I know for many of us, we might not feel that this morning. We might not feel that full life. But Jesus, even now, in the quietness of, of these moments, Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit just to speak to our hearts. Lord, to give us a glimmer, a taste of your presence that leaves us wanting for more. So, Father, I pray that you would pursue this congregation. Lord, that you would leave them wanting for more of you. Lord, that you would raise up in their, each one of their hearts a desire for more. And God, we pray that as we come to your word, that we would receive from you words of life. Lord, that we would receive from you words which we can find delight in you. I pray that we would resist the temptation to just read words on a page. But Lord Jesus, may we find you in every word. In Jesus' name, amen.